about a month ago, I was in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, working with uh, Christ and Youth, uh, CIY, where our students go to uh, Durango in California, and um, working with that organization in the, at, at a conference in Cleveland. Whitewater rafting, much like we do in Durango. And so a youth group invited me to go, and I'm like, sure. I mean, I love the water. Uh, being a Missouri boy, we went up and down the rivers a lot, and um, and so we are out there, and it's the Okoe River. I had never really heard of the Okoe River, and um, it, it's a 10-mile-long river that was pretty much made uh, based on how they control the dam flow there in that area. And so it has some pretty, it's got some pretty great level fours. Um, it just, you know, even the twos were good. So I will say that it was better than Durango as far as the whitewater part and the, the fun part. And so we were there, and you know, you get an outfitter, you get, an, you get a guide, and the guide is, is uh, I, I think they size up these groups. You know a group that you're going to have fun with, you're gonna, you, you know you have a group that is completely scared to death, you've got groups that are going to paddle well, you've got groups that don't paddle hardly at all, and, and you've got to try to navigate that as a guide down. And so I, I usually use a few little phrases to let the guide know that I've been on the water, I understand this, and I'm looking forward to a great time. And the students that I had in, in my boat, we could paddle well. They, this particular outfitter even had us do it on the ground, right? Just Okay, practice. And so if you can go forward and you can go backward, that's all you need on the water, typically. And so we got out there, and it was a, it was a great, great time. Now, the Okoe River, again, it's controlled this flow, and so they do have lots of, lots of danger spots. But they've even, they've even named each of the little areas of the river, and I've got a little slide here where it'll, it, it, it'll be like grumpy, you know, washer machine. That's really good to hear on a river, right? Uh, double suck, that's not good. Flipper, oh, you know. And so what the guide was doing as we were going down, he's like, okay, now coming up, we've got the three sisters. And so there were three rocks, and, and he would navigate us around. And because our team could paddle together, he would just go two forward, boom, boom. And I just was watching this guy. He was navigating us through this so well. And our team was so good that he, he, we also found ourselves being in lead and he'd fall back, giving signals to his, you know, there were about seven rafts in this group. And so then we'd fall behind. We'd be at the very end. But because our team was working together, he would just take us right back down. We'd navigate. We had fun, splashing in your face, the whole nine yards. And we, it, it was great. There were other groups that you could see in other outfitters that they, they just weren't in sync or they were having troubles or they were way over on the side and, and sometimes you could even hear the guide just kind of, you know, it's, it's a product, right? You, you're selling a product as a guide, uh, but he's really trying to, to be nice and give them the what for to say, listen, just go forward, just, just you know, just this. And so we, we'd kind of smile, me and the guide would smile at each other and go, oh, they're, they're, getting, they're getting their uh, chance to be disciplined. So... So we get to this one place to where we, 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 we hit a level four, and it was beautiful. It was just this big splash in your face where the raft is folding, and it, it was beautiful. But he immediately, we went over to the side. We were about 40 yards out, and he, we were watching the other teams. And so then the other boats, the rafts were coming through, and, and, and sure enough, I was looking down, and he says, we got one out. And so I looked, and we looked, and there was a student that had come out of one of the boats out of that level four. And so he's, 
the, the, when you're trained, if you've ever been on the water, you've got the, well, that's not an actual picture uh, of our dude, but that gives you the, the, you know, and that's, that's real life. That's on the Ocoee. So, I mean, you just never know. So this dude, anyway, I didn't see how he fell out, but the after effect is he still had his oar. And what they train you in is when you fall in the water, you sit on your booty, you put your feet up, try to stick your toes out of the water, don't go head first. He was breaking all the rules. He was going head first, and he's holding on to this oar. And his, his, his guide and, and all the folk, once they heard their guide, I could hear them saying, let go of the oar, let go. I mean, you'll lose teeth, you could get strangled. I mean, it's dangerous. You've got to let go of the oar. So finally, he let go of the oar. So the oar came on down. We grabbed that, and now here comes the student. And so the, he was on my side. The guide says, Tom, can you get him? And I said, sure. So, you know, it's the whole thing where you just grab him, and you're fighting the water a little bit, and you just throw him on your chest, and then you lay him out. So... We did that, and there was no words coming out of this kid. And so we got him up, set him up. He's sitting on the back, and I'm turning, you okay? And he's like, I thought I was going to die. So I was like, well, you didn't, and we sort of knew you wouldn't, and we had you the whole way. And in that particular water, we did. We really did. Um, but he didn't know that. He, he probably was scared going in. I think he was a, a novice first-timer, and it really, really shook him. So eventually he got back in uh, to his, his raft, and, and, you know, I think he was shook the whole night, talked to the youth minister later, and said, yeah, he was really shook. The Apostle Paul has been taking on us on this journey. And in this journey, he's talking about the magnificence of God and what God has done, and then we turn to corner in chapter 4, and then we get into chapters 4, 5, and 6, and they're the more the doing. And he's, he's, he's remember last week, he insisted, he's just pleading that, that we would be unified, plead that we would just listen, that we would be in sync, and to work and do everything possible to make sure that not only you're unified, but you decide, each individual, make a decision to, to well, he puts it this way. He says, submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. Some of you have been in the church a while. You, you've seen this, and, and, and I think we've gotten it a little backwards. We, because he, he does a three-point sermon. You know, he's got the, the, the reverence. I mean, he's, he's got submit, and then he, he talks about it, which we're going to look at that today. But we, we focus on the word submit. Today, that's, that's a big deal. But I want us to really look at the driving factor of this passage, and that's the word reverence. You see, submitting to one another, we can get all harangued in the human level. But what he desires for us to do is knowing that this submission, this mutual subjection, knowing who the given authority is in a given setting, and leaning into that process, that we don't have too much authority, or that we don't have enough authority, or that we're not going in our own direction, that we, when the guide says, you know, too forward, that everybody is in sync. That's the Apostle Paul's thought process here. He wants us to truly understand that in submitting to anything in this life, getting along with one another in our relationships of marriage and parenting and all of those things, it comes out of worship to God. It comes out of reverencing Jesus. You see, our reverence for him lets us know that he is wholly loving. The church is doing a fantastic job in the 21st century, better than I've ever had in my life of showing the love of God. 
Church can be something that is so judgmental. It can be so this, so this, so this. And so we turn the corner to say, no, listen, we've got to know and help the world understand that there is a gracious, loving God who's navigating us through this river. There is absolutely no doubt that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But we have got to work. We've got to listen. We've got to prepare ourselves to navigate through these differing waters. If he's in charge of the flow, the obstacles that are in this world, we have to be aware of, we've got to look out for. If you've ever been on a river, you've got to respect, you've got to reverence the river. You never take it for granted. If you get too comfortable, there's not a guide that's worth their money to pay that doesn't have reverence for the river. You see, reverence for the river is a word we hear is fear. Some translations will have it as fear, right? The fear. And so what we've done is that we've done a good job of towing the grace and the love of Jesus. And friend, if you're here today, we're not afraid to say sin. We're not afraid to say get your life right. As a matter of fact, we might put it this way. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. God would never want us to stay in levels of sin or in levels of lacking abundance. He desires to change us. And most of us that say that we have a loving relationship with God would say, oh, he's navigating my waters and he's helped me and he's fashioning me into the look, in the likeness of Jesus. I might fail you today, but my goal is to never fail you again. You see, the love of God cries out to you. You may, for the first time, have trusted going to a church again. I'm just going to suggest to you that the God of the universe absolutely loves you. He knows you. He knows you, as has so eloquently was said at Peyton's baptism. He knows you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And second to that, the Apostle Paul says fear. The Greek word is phobos, where we get phobia. You know, spiders, I mean, a 200-pound guy can be scared of a spider. You're like, why are you scared of a spider? I don't know, I'm not getting It's that same word where we get phobias from. You see that the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, there is the love of God, and that's what I'm asking you to do, but because you get so comfortable in the love of God, I need to remind you that you've got to reverence the river. This God that we serve, this God that we believe in, was so radical that he took his own son and put him on a cross so that redemption might come through the most just impossible thought. But through that radical love, there is a reverence, there is a wrath, there is something to fear. Not fear for the sake of, you know, just, you know, not ever doing it, right? Some of us are so afraid of water that we do anything water-like. That's a different kind of fear. That's a fear that paralyzes. God never desires for us to fear him and be paralyzed. He wants us to fear him so that we might experience the most awesome freedom that we could ever experience in our lives. It's a freedom that is unspeakable. It's a freedom that when we get it, we can't speak of it. All we can do is experience it. And for whatever reason, I'm feeling my freedom right now. You see, he desires for us to know that in that reverence, there is freedom. And in that freedom, you don't fear much anything else. Why? Because the God of the universe is on our side. No matter where the river takes us, no matter where the flow takes us, God is going to help us navigate. But we must be mindful. 
If you want an illustration, I'd say the love of God is the life preserver. He's rescued us. That student wasn't a life preserver. He's coming along. It wasn't a major flow, but I just grabbed him, and then I thrust him, and what you do is you grab it, and you thrust him on your chest, and then you dump him. That's what you're supposed to do. Jesus has done that. The love of God is our security blanket. It is our security. It's our safety. That if we fall in the water, he doesn't say, good luck, here. He's with us. He's there. And because of that love, that gives us the security. The fear of God says, I need to be alert. The fear of God says that I'm not cavalier with sin. The fear of God says that I'm not just so comfortable in my life that I only need God when I've fallen into the water. It's something of a relationship. It's a love and a fear. If you need a phobia to go with, I'd say have a phobia that you're not connecting with Jesus every day. Have a phobia that, that says, boy, I need to get in his word. I need to understand it. I need to have a phobia not to not be around people or partner with people, but who can I partner with? Who can I develop relationship with? You see, the reverence of God really defines our heart of worship. The way you worship every day is how you reverence him. You reverence through levels of fear. You know, there's some time, let me just talk to the mature Christian for a moment, because this could be considered the good old hellfire and brimstone portion of the message. Oh, back in the day when you went to church with your grandma, you know, or your mama, and that preacher was just firing it up. You're going to hell a handbasket, boy! Right? That's fear. And some of those of you that have gone to those churches, you feared God. You were afraid of God. And you only did what you were supposed to do because you feared him. I'm going to suggest to you today that's a difference of a word. He desires from out of the flow of love, out of how he rescued us, threw us in the boat. We looked at Jesus and said, I thought I was going to die. And some of your testimonies, some, not many, but some of you have truly been close to death, physical death, and God rescued you. You see, the Apostle Paul sets this all up. And then he does his three-point sermon. He talks about the relationships. He says it this way. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, husband, children, father, parents, slaves, and masters. That's the end of five and into six. He says, listen, out of that reverence, would you see who I've given you in your raft? You may have in your raft. You may have kids in your raft. You may have a church family in your raft. It's your raft. I want you to work and sink, right? The Holy Spirit, our guide. Man, he can really flow. We can cruise through this river if you listen to the Holy Spirit and just get in sync. Get on the same page. Get on the same page, wives. Get on the same page, husbands, children. Give your moms and dads a break. I knew I was going to hear that. Glad I didn't hear from any wives earlier. No, I'm just kidding. But you see, we're not going to take 
each of these. We've, we've taught this before and, and looking at the role and all of that. There are positions. There are things that God says, this is who I want to do this. He even gifts in that way. And there are positions. There are levels of authority. There are things that we need to. Paul in Romans says, submit to the authorities around you. And I still rebel seven over. Did I just confess that? Right? We still have that inner working to where we don't reverence it all that much. And so Paul knows all this. And so he says, listen, in your marital relationships, in your parenting, master slaves, that's the message of, is Paul talking about slavery and so forth? He's speaking to those that are in a culture, and he's saying, this is so revolutionary for you to be thinking. There's a mutual submission. There is a, if you are in authority, then you don't have to, you know, do but you bring it into the situation. Marriages, man, you don't even have to listen to her. Right? No, I'm, you're, you know, you're almost property. In the Greek culture, it was a little more sophisticated. But still, there was a level of submission that they understood. And so what he's wanting to do is say, out of the fear of God, out of what you have in reverencing him, we all are to submit ourselves to what he desires. And then as it trickles down, then husband and wife, would you talk? Would you see where you're supposed to be and get there? Allow the guide, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you? Take that time of prayer? Do you know what it even says to hold back from marital sexual union for a time of season of prayer to get on the right page with the Holy Spirit? It says that. As a matter of fact, Paul says that's the, really the only reason. Other than that, have a good time. Enjoy it. That's why God created it. But there are specific times when you have to call a family meeting, I've said that ad nauseum, but that's what we do at our house. Family meeting time, everybody's going to the fireside room. Oh boy. And they all start looking at each other. Did you do something? Did you do something? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm off. I'm good, you know? And so they come to the family meeting. What is that? That opportunity to say, listen, two forward, <laughs> one back, one strong back. Boom, right? It's those navigation times. You see, if you really want to see what God is doing, where, where's this river going? Is God, does God even care what we're going through? And Paul tells us in this passage, you see, the entire passage leads to kind of a center point. So I'm going to read this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Love your husband as you love Jesus. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also, wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church. The Jesus who loves us and redeems us, the Jesus that we are to fear because he desires for us to have better navigated waters through this life called chaos sometimes. He's got an end in mind. He wants to present us to himself. I've left the guide, the Holy Spirit. He's fashioning, he's leading, he's guiding. And when that day comes, because there will be a day, when that church comes to me, I look at them and I say, Radiant. That's what God wants from us. That's what Jesus is navigating us through these waters. Why? Because just like any river, 
He doesn't want cuts and bruises and crazy stories. He wants to navigate us through the fun parts, the scary parts, and get us to the place to know that that guide truly had us. And look what Paul says. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's what a guy wants. He wants to get his tip and go party that night at the bonfire. I mean, that's what these guides want to do, right? No nicks, no scratches, no cuts. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, when we look at all of that, we see how his goal is for us to be radiant and for all of us to to just lean in and listen. Listen, if you, let's just look at a couple of these. If, if your marriage isn't all that great, every marriage has times where you're just cruising along. It's like a level two, kind of a maybe a little three. You got some dipsy doodles, but you're looking and you're laughing. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that was great. And then there are marriages like the time when I was in youth group and in Missouri we would do the Merrimack River and every year we had the float trip. And so we're on a sandbar eating lunch in the middle of our float trip and we heard some noise coming down and you could hear other groups and depending on where you're at on the water, you know, you could get that, that, that noise where you can kind of hear things pretty clear and it was clear that this, uh, whoever's coming around the bend was not having a great time. Because all you could hear was, paddle, 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 paddle. And I've got this, Larry. I've got this, Larry. Finally, they come around. And then all of a sudden, we start, I've got this, Larry. Bam, bam. We're like, what in the world? And so here it was, was a couple. Had two little elementary kids in the middle of the canoe. And Larry was being the guide, right? We husbands try to be the guide, right? And he's like, on the other side of the boat. Okay, remember, when I'm on this side, it's easier if you're on that side. So are you going to be left or right? Oh, it was just, and we're, we're kind of kids, we're just kind of chuckling because it's like they're not doing good. And every time, whether she was fearful or whatever, her, when her agitation went up, She'd scream out, I got this, Larry, I got this. I'm just telling you from a, just kind of a human observer, she didn't have it. <laughs> she, she didn't. And Larry sort of did, and that's not just the side with the guys on this. Larry kind of knew, he listened to the outfitter. And the two kids, just like deer in headlights, they're like, what? They look scared. Well, across from the bar was, you've got the regular flow of a river, but then you've got the little danger spot where a tree came down, and, you know, it's where the ducks sit or the turtles sit, and, you know, you, you want to get over to the turtles, but you're like, 
that's pretty swift water. Well, sure enough, they got themselves over. He didn't listen. She, I mean, she didn't listen to him, and he was trying, and they got themselves all tangled up. And then we began for the littles. And so it was about this high, so we're just walking across, you know, and you're fighting the current, you're going over, and we helped them out. You see, the Apostle Paul says, kids, as much as you're going to have this natural inclination to not obey your parents, obey your parents. Matter of fact, the, the Ten Commandments say you'll live longer in this earth. And how many of us did stupid things our parents never knew and you thought, I almost died? Husbands, wives, if, if you're having this, never knew her name, but knew Larry's name really well. If you've got that, let me just, let me just whisper a, a book to you and don't write it down. Just, just remember, it's going to be easy to remember. But if, you, if your marriage is off a little bit, and, you, you, and it's not in massive waters, but you just know or you see it, it's a book called Love and Respect. You read it right in the passage, Love and Respect. Last name is Edwidge, and it's just, it's just a way of saying, listen, let the Holy Spirit navigate your marriage. Men are going to just want to be respected, even if they don't deserve it in your mind. And women just want to be loved and secure. I'm sure that this woman's agitation was up because she was scared. And she, just like we do, trying to listen to the Holy Spirit or not listen to the Holy Spirit, I think we take our oar that, that can make a lot of noise when it's hitting an aluminum boat. I got this, God. I got this. I told you I got this. And God says, man, I wish you would trust. I wish you would reverence the river. I wish you'd reverence the situation. Employee, employer, right? You've got those things. We each have those type of situations relationally, and that's what the Apostle Paul is really honing in on at the end of Ephesians is to say, listen, be in a posture that your submission, you don't have to, if you've got, seriously, if your heart rate goes up when you hear this concept from Paul in Ephesians, and it just agitates the world out of you, and it really bothers you, I'm going to give you an easy pastoral solution that may be harder in application, but the level of your submission will always equal the level of your reverence. If you have difficulty with people, you probably have difficulty with God. And that's what Paul's saying. Mutually submit to one another so that, so that you can get along in this life. Remember last week, the passage, he said, because the days are evil? Man, for that couple and those kids in the Merrimack River, that day seemed very evil. God's going to get us through the flow. He's going to do this. But he desires at this part in the letter to remind ourselves to reverence. So I wonder how your river is. I wonder what you're being navigated through. Sometimes it can be some rough things. I wonder what your guide is saying. I wonder what the Holy Spirit is really saying to you, saying to me in these situations. 
Sometimes we get so far down the river that we want to cry out, I've got this, I've got this. But yet, he knows that your fear is in a completely different pathway than he would want your fear to be. He would not want you to be paralyzed in a situation, but he would want you to be free. And then the last question, I wonder who you have in your boat. I wonder who those people around you that you can partner with, that you can talk with, that you can, like last week we talked about vulnerability and volatility. I wonder if you could get away from the volatility of thinking that you got it and you're just gripping that and you're just banging that oar. Or maybe you could partner and go deeper, allow him to go deeper in you and help speak through the navigation of what he's doing. Or you just partner and, and do something different. Look ahead down the river and, and see that reverence has brought you to a new place and that you celebrate that and you're like, we can do this because God's in charge of this and we just need to partner with him. Let's do this. Our submission will always come out of our level of reverence. Let's, let's worship him. Father, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for his words. We thank you for this great reminder. Our songs speak of waters and deep and overwhelming and how you get us through and Amazingly enough, this passage says the same thing. God, Holy, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead each and every heart. Speak to us poignantly where we need to be pointed and guided. And we trust that our worship will get better and better as we reverence you. We pray through Christ. Amen.